A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. Hello, everyone. We're here in an unusual location, well, unusual for the podcast. That is, we are in the Clock Tower pub in the Glee on the occasion of the Inwards reading, the final reading of, of 2016, if I understand correctly. And I'm here with tonight's featured reader, Dalton Dirksen. I'm going to read a little bio first, and then, and then we're going to have a conversation. In theory, Aaron might show up, but he's busy with the setup since he's one of the editors. But if he does, we'll let him talk, too. Of course. Dalton Dirksen is a poet from parts of the Canadian prairies unknown. Recent work can be found in B After C, Bywords, and the Toronto Star. The Toronto Star. He has a website, which I don't think has been updated for a while. No. Dirksenworks.wordpress.com, and you can find him on Twitter at Dirty Dirk on Twitter. Uh, and Dirty Dirk. And I'm going to put all that up on the, on the uh, site eventually. Well, thank you. That's great. So, uh, welcome, Dalton, to the Clock Tower Pub, a place you've been probably many times before. Many a time. Yeah, it's great to be back again, though. Welcome back. Back to Ottawa. Back to Ottawa. Back to Bill the Bartender, for that matter. Bill the Bartender is a staple for me in this institution. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great, and we're we're drinking our. I have my Guinness, so uh, I'm happy. I can't believe you drink. I can't get into the Guinness. It's too no. thick. It's like well, it's like I, drinking cake. I was born in Yorkshire, so it's probably in my blood. Ah, there you but, go. Uh, they 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 gave it to people in the hospital, apparently. <laughs> So okay, here's some questions I wrote, and I, I, I said I said this I sent this in a, I guess a message that I was I wrote this while listening to from parts unknown by every time I die because I found that out by reading um, by reading Dalton's uh, blog. He mentioned he he uh, t- reviewed uh, reviewed now the yeah, album for yeah the, for right. the charlatan at Carleton University yeah, yeah. So that's it yeah so I guess my first so I said that my questions may be a little off kilter so <laughs> let's right. hope so let's let's hope so that's it. So I guess the first question, which is sort of, um, we'll have to back up a bit, but I asked uh-huh. you, what's like, life like after the Worst Case Ontario tour? So before that, what was the worst case? I mean, people, pro- a lot of people who re- listen to this might know, but for those of us who, do- well, for those who don't, I'm one of the ones who know, tell me what is the Worst Case Ontario well, tour? Bless those of you that don't know. Um, it's It was a tour, uh, five poets, uh, definitely inspired by um, an accord of poets, Cameron Anstey and Jesslyn and all those folks. Um, we just hopped in a Buick and we drove down into the States and did some shows in Canada and sold a chapbook and just kind of had a time, basically. It was How long was it for? Did, was it a week? Or? I think it was like eight days. Eight days. Yeah. So, no, it was nine days, eight shows, and one driver. So, like the poet's <laughs> version of Survivor or something. <laughs> Except none of us got voted off for some reason. No one got voted was, off. Yeah, I probably should have been, but then they wouldn't have been able to get anywhere. <laughs> I remember the last, the, I guess your last stop was here in Ottawa Correct, at Black yeah. Squirrel Books. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I thought at the time that you guys had really developed, I mean, I didn't know how close you were beforehand, but yeah. by the end, you certainly seem to have developed a really nice rapport. Oh, I mean, so. like, I, I knew JM from here, yeah. obviously, and JC, when I moved to Toronto, we were very close, and Jess a little bit as well. And then Julie, we just kind of added in, and and it was all like, yeah, definitely a lot of growing on the road yeah. and, like, knowing each other. So what was it like after the last, after after you, you had your last reading and you guys parted ways, what, uh, 
Well, it was tough because um, like we'd been so close, and we tried to kind of like keep ourselves together as like an institution, um, and like do other readings and like use our recognition at the time to promote other people. But it sort of just the wheels just fell off because um, Jess had moved to Montreal. Right. JM was still in Ottawa, and it was just like too sparse. You know, it was we to continue on with like doing what we were doing. Did you find that your writing uh, was affected? by being in that in that group uh, afterwards yeah because it was kind of like a rocky ending where like we didn't a lot of us don't talk anymore because we just got so close and then we kind of just fell out because the relationship just wasn't the same yeah. as it was on the road and so it's like you have expectations and they're not met um, but as far as affecting the writing I don't think so but performance definitely um, yeah. for myself and I know for somebody like JC as well JC became a very strong reader after uh, yeah. doing it every the last time I heard him read was uh, here at, I guess Sawdust. the Sawdust reading series mm -hmm. and yeah he definitely did well. and the first time I ever heard him read was for Bywords when he read for us uh, uh, well, probably a number of years ago now yeah. at the Max Pub and his style as well his, his reading was uh, different. Uh, I mean, he's really grown. Yeah, yeah he was. He, he, yeah, so it's great. And it's you, honestly, like, and people talk about my reading style sometimes, but honestly, JC is one of the most captivating readers I've ever. Been no, in a he's room mesmerizing with. too, mm -hmm. and it really suits his poetry. So that's that's oh, great. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So that's it. So I started to. I went through uh, some of your poems again. There's there's one awesome. up on the Byward site. I mean, I went. I found them where I can, and yeah. then Worst Case Ontario, uh, right. the chapbook which I have a copy of from when you were here, and also. So a few other places. So these are some of the observations that I have made, I guess. Awesome. So let's see what, what that means. Okay, so this is what I've got here. There's a dark humor to your work that fits with critiques, sort of, not really critiques against suburban or nine to five life, but it's there, that sort of um, tension between that kind of sure. life within your poems. And then I have a quote. I say, you are the frequency that interrupts casual chatter at the bar by shrieking through the streets. It's from a poem called Rook. Why is that shrieking necessary? I don't know why it is, but it came to me as necessary. I think it's because I'm from the prairies and um, the notion of suburban life and like nine to five is a lot different out there. There's a lot more like self-made people oh, okay. and um, suburbs aren't suburbs as they are in some place like the GTA or like right. maybe even in Ottawa. You know, everything's a lot more spread out. Um, and so I think it just came naturally, like, to me to just be skeptical and, like, questioning of it. I don't know if it's, like, a disdain. Like, I don't want to shit on anybody. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, you know, I, I sort of, I have, because I have a lot of poems myself that kind of, like, the worst thing for me in life is to live in the suburbs and have a... Well, fuck, it's an easy a, target, right? Like, well, I did it for a long time, so I, so. I sort of feel like... But, yeah, I, I sort of, I write against the white picket fence lifestyle. Yeah, it's, it's an easy target. And, like, but it also just came very natural having never had it and then having seen like tastes of it or like even you pick it up in media and things like that yeah but um, it's, it's there you're right so yeah the shrieking so you think that if you if you uh, I don't think there's anything other for me to do than shriek through that because it's just it's a it's a frustration I guess or like just sort of a not wanting to be a part of that not wanting to be like a block that fits into that so. right and do you do you find to like uh, so you were from you lived in Saskatchewan is that yeah yeah I'm from Mortlach Saskatchewan yeah. I have a few friends from there, and notably one of my favorite poets, a local poet now, but to Sandra Ridley, and she's from yeah. there. And, and so I, th I almost think there's a, some of the some of my favorite writers are from the prairies, and I feel like there's something special about having that background. I don't know what what it is exactly, because I've only visited, but uh, not even. Well, I always, I definitely love like Andrew Sikhnowski is yeah. like a big one. Like Wood Mountain is 
there's something about that that I obviously I feel like everybody can connect to a little bit even if you've not been there you can sort of understand that mentality but once you're there it's the same thing about like how you rode against the white picket fence where it's yeah it's an experience and you just you don't it kind of just takes over that's it yeah Yeah. i agree with you yeah at least that's what i find too okay so uh so you you used to you used to write in your bio yes i used to i noticed this one didn't have you describe yourself as a punk poet right so what does that mean to you or what did it mean and why is it gone now from yeah i i uh i don't know it just seemed like the right thing to say at the time yeah i feel like it's more of an aesthetic on like a visual stance because there's no like strict rules in poetry although some people definitely work in the same vein Mm -hmm. it's definitely just about breaking norms and trying to be outside of things but i took it out because it just it wasn't doing anything right right there's tons of poets that break norms and there's nothing punk rock about it it's just well we wish we wish that it was but even now like punk is sort of uh, being co-opted by the corporate culture like it's all gone jeans jeans are now ripped but at the factory (laughs) yes exactly and it's like as much as i wish it wasn't dead it's fucking dead and buried but it's yeah. fine. Wasn't it? I, I read recently that who was it? The son of some, one of the guys from the Sex Pistols burned up a bunch of old. Sex yeah, he pistols burned a and, bunch of like old memorabilia because yeah. he was just over it, I guess. That's and, it. You know, I can't really blame him. Yeah, I thought that was. I actually th- found that fun myself. But <laughs> okay, um, what what is this? Okay. Oh, so yeah, I will skip that. Yeah, okay. So yeah, instead of saying you're a punk poet, this this was a fun thing to write. I don't know how, yeah, how much. Yeah, I so, love this. Okay, like, good. So yes, notice that Dalton knows the questions because we we gave them to him ahead of time because I think that's which what is it's very better. Nice of you. Well, I think it's better to do it that way because I don't know. Like for me, I don't like getting just. I mean, I can answer questions and stuff off the cuff, but mm-hmm. it's, it's it's nice to have a sort of a you know, more more like insightful an idea just coming into it. I yeah. feel like I like I didn't. I read them once basically, yeah. and uh, but it was just cool to know kind of what I was walking into. That's I right. Guess. What if I started to say, "Why don't you rhyme?" And I am big pentameter. Yeah, you know something. Like, oh, you know, I wouldn't say that, but you know, never know. People, I once had someone ask me why my poems. Well, I wrote prose poems. Why they weren't, you know, why I didn't have line breaks and stuff. So it happens. Sometimes. That's fair. Yeah. So and, and in the background we have the sound check for the upcoming reading. So boy, I'm getting excited. Getting excited. So there we go. All right. So I'd like to describe you as a grindcore. Grindcore poet. Your text is distorted in short form alabiscent. Your poems have the pace of a heavy metal hardcore song with blast and raging. There's a structure that's often build up, rage, release. There's an abrasiveness to your work, the persona you occupy on the stage. Do you play music by bands like from Parts Unknown when you write? And are you influenced by the music? I um, I don't actually listen to anything when I write personally, but yeah. um, I definitely think about stuff when I'm listening to that band like I, I take a lot of cadences from Keith Buckley from mm. Every Time I Die um, and also just like on the performance level of things yeah I used to do vocals in a hardcore band oh you did okay and so it's that's kind of what I wanted to capture with the persona that I occupy on stage um, is that sort of intensity and that sort of you're not you're not playing anything on stage you're just literally screaming at somebody when you're in a band like that and so you have to be doing something that's 
to garner attention, really. And so why not, you know, even like a la Freddie Mercury, just be like yeah. flamboyant and just be performative. So. That's it. I'm not a performative poet myself, but I do like to engage with the audience and mm. I like to kind of mesmerize if, if that's actually possible. But uh, Everybody's I, got I, a different way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, but like I, I wouldn't, uh, I don't have, I, I even have just trouble, you know, getting the microphone to work, but <laughs> <laughs> after years and years. But that's crazy. They're tricky buggers, that's for sure. Yeah, some people, people who are really, like, for instance, spoken word, the spoken word poets know exactly what they're doing. I always mm-hmm. envy them that, that facility, but they, they mean, they, they work at it. They make sure that it's, I kind of, I, I don't, I don't work at it. So that's, that's it. So I, um, I talk so bloody loud that I have a lot of the time to stop you the microphone. Yeah, but it's, the microphone isn't just to make your voice louder. It's also to modulate your voice. That's so, fair, yeah. So that I think, I think it's even when you're loud, sometimes it's good just to, well, you can break mm-hmm. people's eardrums if you talk. Yeah. So yeah, so 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 would you say there are other influences too on your writing as well? Oh, uh, professional just, wrestling. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say I saw a picture on Twitter of some mm-hmm. wrestler that you and Brian was, Pillman. Okay, yeah. I don't know anything about wrestling. No, that's so. fair. That's all right. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. Um, it's a real deep dark hole you can get into. Um, but no, I I think that's something that's influenced it even more so than um, than hardcore is the idea of um, taking an aspect of your character and turning it up to 11 yeah. and then using that as a character and then also being captivating because when wrestlers aren't wrestling they're cutting a promo or something or like talking and trying to build something up they have to be very captivating because yeah. they've stopped doing what the audience wants to see them do which is wrestle so they still have I to have a personality yeah and they still have to be entertaining when they're not suplexing somebody or doing whatever and so that's I definitely take a lot of influence from good talkers in wrestling it's interesting how much well that's interesting actually because it's not necessarily the wrestling but the persona part and, mm-hmm. and the ability to kind of still interest the audience long after the yeah. match is over or whatever they call it or to build up to a match you know <laughs> right. it's the same sort of thing well that yeah. and then it's probably a lot of that I mean I saw when I was a kid um, uh, the professional wrestling was the sort of the the really fake all this stuff with the yeah. sheik and all this stuff. So yes. I, I saw the that. And Hogan. Yeah, yeah, I it's saw that. It's the same sort of thing where when he's calling everybody brother yeah. and like trying to get people, you know, turned up for a match. That's yeah. I definitely still draw from that sort of thing. And That's just interesting. To get yeah. yeah, it's funny. I've mostly concentrated on the writing aspects, but I think I think that it's true that that aspect of your of your poetry is also from performance. Do you find sometimes that when you're writing, you'll revise if you're going to be if performing a like just mm-hmm. like, is or there? I just change in the cuff yeah sort of thing I, uh, yeah because I try not to write too for the stage mm. you know that's like it's a difficult line to toe to like yeah. still have it be appealing on the page and then also have it read in a way that's captivating um, so sometimes I'll change shit on the cuff and just like change the way something is broken up or change the order of something if it feels like it, that's the way it should be read that night right I always I always write for the ear like no matter what yeah. I'm writing fiction or poetry I always do so I always have to but then I don't fix it back for like any kind of just the page alone yeah you gotta be careful yeah I don't do that like I don't change it back so that would be be weird yeah I I was thinking too that a lot of um, there are a lot of um, guys who are poets who are influenced by wrestling too like Spencer Gordon Spencer Gordon Daniel G. Moore especially he's written Savage is a great book yeah I haven't I haven't read it but uh, but again (laughs) I should probably take a look I've only read it because I'm a wrestling fan that's it and even like Broken Pencil has this thing called Deathmatch, which is their yes. fiction contest. Yeah. So it's all, it's all this sort of, it, yeah, so that's interesting. It's an interesting Especially little culture. A Toronto thing, actually. I don't, you know, I don't I don't recall. We did actually have a event here um, that the Puritan organized many years ago that had to do with that same idea. They, 
went through a kind of like a okay. battle thing. I can't remember. It was when they, they were still in Ottawa. Will Kemp is somebody also who is Yeah, very I just read in the Puritan. Like, yeah, I like that poem actually. Yeah. See, I like I like the energy of that. Like that's, I think that's and that's all tightness. taken from um, quotes from a, a commentary man on in wrestling. So it's that, that it's that yeah. capturing that excitement all the time because yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's me. Actually what I what I also say about that is oh uh, well, maybe I say it later on, but okay. to me it's 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 duende, which is a, which is something from Lorca. Well it's before right. Lorca, but it's this is my favorite part about getting the questions is I knew I would have no fucking idea what you're talking but, about because yeah, I didn't yeah. look it up. Yeah, but yeah. this is good. I like this. I want to know about this. Well we'll talk about it. Well what do basically uh, the idea of duende it's basically um, it's it's like a muse but it's mm -hmm. it's different in the sense that it comes from it doesn't come from something external it comes from within yourself hmm. and and the way Lorca describes he has a great essay called Theory and Play of the Duende okay. and he talks about for instance um, this uh, woman who's a dancer and she takes uh, she just uh, improvisationally takes some knives and starts dancing with these long knives so it's basically like the idea of creation in the knowing that the death is present no, and yeah and the other thing about it too is so great is that the idea that you your influence you, all, you have all of this this is what I interpret anyway you have all of these influences from the past mm -hmm. that is still coming into you so it is it is kind of like the muse but it's, it's this internal and it's, and it's very death is very present in my writing I feel like yeah, yeah. and why, why do you think that is that you, that you I <laughs> tons of my heroes and role models have died or killed themselves probably yeah. that's just the straight ahead answer of it so it's that's it. Well, I think yeah. we all talk about love, sex, and death, right? That's not a right. Yeah, I mean, you, you just pick one. Yeah, yeah that's it. Well, I can't talk about the moon all night. All in the same. Well, the moon. I, I, I've been writing poems where I'm cursing the moon lately. But there you go. Change it has it to do with love, sex, and death. So <laughs> it hasn't changed. Yeah. So yeah, I, I read this interview with Jessica Bebenek in yeah. the town crier, and you talked about writing poetry. Oh, and and she asked you about writing poetry in right. place. Yeah, I think that was the theme of the town crier. Issue. Yeah, it was that particular. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting actually. I like that they did. Um, I did a whole bunch of different interviews with people that were that were fascinating about that. But I, I was thinking another thing, aside from the fact that you're writing about specific places, I see a certain placelessness in your poems mm -hmm. because a lot of times the speakers of the poems are basically coming into the place by bus or they're or yeah. the birds are flying away out of the town or you know. Yeah. So so there's a lot of that. Um, it's definitely an older thing for me that yeah. I kind of moved past, um, especially having moved to Toronto. Like I, my big move was coming to Ottawa from Saskatchewan. Yeah. So place was still very important to me, and then leaving Ottawa, or I guess having been in Ottawa for a while, I did the Ottawa Poems chapbook, and place was still very strong. And then moving again, it kind of threw it out the window, and everything became a lot more fragmented and sort of up in the air. So do you find now uh, the stuff you're writing has is not really dealing with that sort of thing? No, I, I feel like it. When I get too place specific, I feel like it weakens things. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's really cool for a certain amount of people, right? But when you're writing in like this ethos that may or may not exist, I feel like a lot more people can get behind that because you're not making references to like Bloor Street or Gladstone or right. something, you know? Yeah, I go through phases where I like to write about. I like to write. Um, I like to put Ottawa in there, but mm -hmm. I think sometimes it can refer even more generally. But yeah, I, I, I know what you mean about that. So what did I? What did I see? Right. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, and and so I guess. 
I guess the question is where do your speakers come from? Is it always the same speaker, same voice, or do they change? I um again, I guess to reference wrestling, um, I like to kind of toe the same line with a character, like keep the same general character, but sort of just change attitudes every once in a while. Like since I've stopped putting A's in front of my ands, like I've, my and is just N D now. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's with that sort of came a, a lot more of a surreal turn with things and placelessness. So are you do you were you ever a fan of uh, or did you read much of Robert Croach or anyone like that? I have, but I've never read Seed Catalog. I still like I've read more of his essays than his poetry. I, I really like well uh, my favorites of his are like the Sad Phoenician and okay. also um, there's another one that I really I like uh, the Hornbooks of Rita Kay. Okay. In the Hornbooks of Rita Kay, he's actually playing with a completely different voice in that it's this character uh, named Rob, Rob I think it's Robert could be this is his name, it's R. But yeah. it, the other R is Rita Cade, so he's writing okay. her voice too. So it's really interesting to. I don't know if you've ever tried to write in a completely I, different. I did a chapbook um, one time for a class um, where I wrote entirely in Ed Mervish's voice, who is oh, the yeah, owner of yeah. Honest Ed's, yeah, which sure. is I'm about to rest in peace very soon. Um, but just to experiment with that, mm -hmm. and that's actually how I found out that I. That's how I started deleting the A's from my hands and writing it like a sort of place like spacelessness was actually trying to write through Ed um, it, I don't know how it happened but it just definitely well, I would like to read that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm always sort of interested in the, like the the sort of. I mean, a lot of us writing well, at various times. You know, we'll write in a semi autobiographical or near autobiographical yeah. voice. But sometimes it's nice to play with different voices too. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, I like to see it when other people try it. Opens up different things for sure. Yeah. So back to the duende. I guess this is the last one I have. Um, okay, beautiful. But um, so when you were at the, your last act at the Ottawa reading of mm -hmm. Ontario was I don't know if you did it anywhere else, but it was took place at Black Squirrel. Books. It was just there. And the last stop of the tour was to cut your forehead and let it bleed. Yes. I think it was. It looked like it was something you'd planned to do. I did. Uh, you had the, the, um, your, your fellow uh, tour members were there with towels in the backup. So what was what was your uh, reasoning there to you? So that poem, uh, Juice, is actually, yeah. it's, a, it's about a wrestler cutting <laughs> their face open, which is like a thing to make it look like they were bleeding. They would blade themselves across their hair. Yeah, yeah. I, now I'm starting, it's starting to come back. So that's, that's part of it was just doing that and also just like reflecting on the tour and how we all came out and just kind of bared ourselves and literally like bled and sweat and drove around for all these people. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Plus coming back to Ottawa, that was the first time I'd read in Ottawa since I left. So it was, this was the place, this was the place to do it, yeah. That's it. So you, did you do it at any other, you didn't do it at any other? No, nope, that was a one night only affair. We got to see that. Just for the Ottawa crowd. That's good. And, and then I noticed in some of your, in your interview, sometimes you mentioned William Henry Drummond. I do, yeah. And so what what is it about his? I read, uh, I guess I read the, what the Habitant, Habitant, yeah, Habitant yeah, poems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, yeah. basically just um, making your page writing 
the replicate speech. Yeah. yeah. Uh, same yeah. sort of thing, like, uh, also, like, you could even say, like, Cormac McCarthy, or, like, I mean, Bill Bissett in a way, too. Yeah, I could. Where it's just, like, everything, everything is, um, speech is not as proper as written language. No. Like, we fuck up more than you can really acknowledge, just, but it's just because it's not written in a hard form that we notice it. We pick it up and it moves on. And so I wanted to kind of replicate some of those errors or some of those omissions that we do in speaking on the page. Yeah, do you same way I write ND. Yeah, and Bill Bissett, of course, he's kind of the, the sort of master at writing in the sort of short form. Yeah. And when he reads it, it's interesting because he never seems to have any trouble struggling. Like, I sometimes write like that too a little bit nice and I yeah. find it hard to, you know, to pronounce. I feel like the first time I read Bill Bissett, I was I read it so slowly. Yeah, yeah. And now I read it like anything else. You got you kind of get that. It's like I picked up his yeah. language. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Also, uh, um, you uh, when you were, at, I guess, um, I don't know when it was. It could be a couple years back. You were at Verse Fest. Yes, yeah, so I got to read with Bill Bissett. Yeah, which was, uh, which is the boyhood dream coming true. Yeah, so that was that was great. And then you also read the Daniel Jones poem, "The Brave Never Write Poetry." Yeah, I read um the one about. <laughs> Shooting cops. Yeah. Yeah, that one, yeah. That was good. It's, uh, Daniel Jones is definitely somebody that has uh, influenced me a lot. I guess recently, more recently, like having moved to Toronto yes. and encountering that when, like, I thought that I was, like, the punk poet and, like, I thought that I had, like, carved myself something new and then you read The Brave Never Write Poetry and it's, like, literally getting a boot up your ass. Yeah, like, it's, you have your own way of doing it. I mean, everything is, and we have a different we're in a different time now too yeah. so but it was it was kind of like finding out the sex pistols exist for the first oh, time yeah. <laughs> it was like holy fuck like this is a real thing like this is badass it's kind I need of a relief wasn't it? it like yeah. it, I found it I mean with me it was a, sort of around my sort of it was like a sort of junior high time mm -hmm. when they were popular and I well they weren't popular they were right yeah and I wasn't really paying that much attention to music but later on I was I was glad that they were around so that's good yeah. uh, what, so are you working on any particular now? I have a manuscript I'm shopping around, um, and right now I just put a book out with Pearl Peary's Press, Favors Press, um, called A Brief Statement of Various Companies. Uh, I don't even remember the name, it's so long. It's so horrible, I don't know why I chose to do that, but um, it's just a little poem about, or a little collection of poems about um, the court system, the judicial system, and how it silences victims and silences people who are outside of the language of the courts. So, yeah. A power, it could be a powerful. Yeah, on sale tonight in Ottawa as of now. And we will, I'm sure that it, Pearl will have it up on the Fafour's yes. site, and I will make sure to include the link. Any, any parting words before you take the stage? Any parting words? Not really. I'd like to thank you for having me. I love your podcast, is the only podcast I listen to that's not wrestling related. Yay! Which is huge, trust me. Huge. That's huge for me. Thank you, Dalton. It was, it was a pleasure. And now we go back to our beer before the show. Yes. <laughs> Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak.